Welcome back to Living Lean. This is your host, Jeremiah Bear. Today, we have a Q&A. Now, before we get into the Q&A, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already, grab the Lifestyle Diet, which is just in the show notes. This is a free ebook that I put together for you based on the strategies that I use with my clients to help them build their nutrition into a flexible, sustainable lifestyle that you can actually stick to for the rest of your life. So again, that's 100% free. If you haven't already grabbed that, the link is in the show notes. I can't recommend it enough. Second, if you're somebody that's really taking value from the show and you've been enjoying it, do me a huge favor. Share this on your Instagram story. Tag me so one, I can connect with you and two, we can grow the reach of the show together. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the Q&A. So first question was, is it bad to do the same workouts every week? So there's an old myth out there that you need to quote unquote shock the body by constantly mixing that up, which really couldn't be further from the truth when it comes to to putting together a smart training program for yourself or for your clients. So generally my online clients are going to be focusing on the same movements for at least a month. And we focus on progressing either load or load aka intensity or some type of rep progression or both so basically we're focusing on increasing weight with the same reps we're focusing on increasing reps with the same weight or decreasing volume increasing intensity some variation of all those but we're really not changing up movements too often so the thing is it takes time to learn the skill of a movement. So for example, a movement like a barbell squat, a barbell deadlift, the first couple times we do it, those are very complex movements. They're hard for most of us to master. So you'll see like the first time you do a barbell back squat is a good example of this. The first couple times you do it every week, you will see huge progressions in the amount of load you're able to use. Now, this isn't because you've built a shit ton of muscle since you last trained it or a shit ton of strength. It's literally you're just getting better at the skill of it. So often with more complex movements like this, the first couple weeks we're actually not making a ton of progress because we're not truly overloading it. We're literally just trying to figure out the skill. So if we're always varying amongst all these complex movements without consistency in one, we're never truly able to overload one movement very well, which is really where we're going to create the most growth stimulus, where we're going to get the most out of your training. You're just always going to be trying to learn the skill of the next complex movement. So it's not smart to switch things up week to week. That said, with the less complex the movement is, the more often we can vary it. So for example, when you start online coaching with me, literally we will keep the same squat or the same hinge variation and again i'm not saying you have the barbell back squat or barbell deadlift but some variation of those movements we will literally keep the same for months we'll change the rep schemes we'll change what intensity you're training at but we'll focus on the same movement for literally months and the goal is just overloading over the course of time but if you wanted if you're somebody that likes a lot of variation like some of my clients do we will literally change the variation of a movement like a bicep curl for example every week again if you're somebody that needs variation now i don't do this for all my clients but you can because there that is a very easy movement for us to master it's not complex 
most of us, the first day we do a bicep curl, right away we're getting a solid growth stimulus out of it. So there, we can work in more variation. But overall, I like at least four week training blocks to really focus on overload with one movement variation before we move on to something else. And I absolutely don't recommend changing things up week to week. Next question, it's too cold in Nebraska for me to be outside and active. How can I stop cravings from boredom? <laughs> so first, I actually responded to this on my Instagram story. This is why I moved to Arizona, which honestly the cold was a big reason why I moved to Arizona. That worked great for me. But if that's not a realistic option for you, I would say one, start following a smart training program. So he already said that just being active is a problem for him. Get in the gym. It'll be warm in there. Follow a smart training program on my lean ebook. It's a solid one. The link for that is in the show notes. I have a ton of them on my Instagram feed at Jeremiah Bear. I literally have multiple free four times a week upper lower training splits just right there on my feed. Follow some type of structured training program that'll get you moving that will have will prevent boredom if nothing else. That'll help. Next cravings usually come from some combination of one under eating protein or not spreading it out enough throughout the day so first like almost every new online client unless it's another coach that started coaching with me starts under eating protein so as a general rule of thumb it's a good idea to eat around 0.8 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight most people that start are nowhere near that now protein is by far the most filling the most satiating macronutrient and most highly processed foods aren't very good sources of protein so to hit your protein goals you're gonna have to eat a lot of very satiating protein obviously but we're also automatically kind of reducing your intake of highly processed foods which literally are engineered to make you crave more they digest quicker so they just don't keep you full very long so really it's typically under eating protein and not eating enough whole foods eating too many highly processed foods again those just digest so quickly and they're designed to make you crave more so it makes sense that they'll induce cravings and then not spreading protein out enough throughout the day so i've also found some people will just eat their protein in like one big chunk so say if your goal is to eat 100 grams of protein in a day and some people will just start by like eating 80 grams in a day now, to get the most satiation across your day, it makes much more sense to instead of eating all that in one big chunk, to spread it out, say you eat four meals a day, just get 25 grams at, four me at each of those meals. And then across the course of a day, you have this very satiating effect with each meal, which keeps hunger lower. Now, we also just need to make sure, like typically people, when we talk about cravings, there's specific foods that they're just craving that they're struggling to eat. And we all have, at least most of us have what we call quote unquote trigger foods where it's like no matter what, you just can't really eat these foods in moderation. For me, as weird as it sounds, it's these cheddar rice crisps. They're delicious, they taste like Cheetos kinda. I literally, if I buy those, I will eat the whole bag. So I don't bring it to my house. Same thing with ice cream, even like Halo Top. If I get Halo Top, I can't only eat half a tub. So I only know <laughs> If I get Halo Top, I know I'm going to eat it all. So again, I don't just keep a ton of Halo Top in my house. This is a smart thing to do. Like audit what foods you're really struggling, quote unquote, craving 
and you might just really not be able to bring them in your house. Nut butter is a good case, or a very common one for most people, Nutella especially, just things like that, because the real reality is, you're probably not like, oh man, I'm just craving apples, and I'm just smashing a ridiculous amount of apples. There's going to be specific foods that are easy to overeat on, you have trouble controlling yourself around, so look to remove those if you feel like it's necessary. The next question really kind of ties into the last one, and it is, how do I stop mindless eating? So first, I would just apply everything that I said about cravings there, because these do kind of run in the same vein. But we also have to realize, okay, mindless eating, mindless things are essentially habits. So this is where we look into the, or into environment design. And really, I'm pulling all this directly from what I learned from the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. I can't recommend that book enough. I have never sent a book to clients more than Atomic Habits. It's one of the most life-changing books for myself personally. But the point here is habits essentially happen in a loop. We have first we experience a cue, which just signals to us that um, some type of a reward is available. And our brain is really constantly on the lookout for rewards or cues. The cue is immediately followed by a craving for the state change that the reward provides. This is followed by the response, which is really just the physical or mental action that occurs after the craving. This is the actual habit being performed. So for example, you opening the fridge and eating whatever food you tend to eat mindlessly. And then the reward is just a state change you are craving when the reward is satisfying. So we begin to associate rewards with particular cues, and then this creates the habit loop. So cue, craving, response, reward. And then as we keep getting rewarded for following through, taking action on the cue, this just becomes more and more ingrained as a habit. And eventually it becomes quote unquote mindless eating. So first, this is something that I've applied with clients a lot. And this is really so much cheaper than just like, this is why coaching works. It's not just giving you macros and saying, run with this. It's literally looking into all these things like, okay, what's going on here? How can we break this habit? How can we make a habit? How can we change this? So I've found the most effective ways to change things like mindless eating are one, either looking at your cues and then two, looking at your responses and trying to change those. So first, with the cues, we want to look at, well, first, like identify what the cue is, and then how can we make it invisible? So for example, if the cue is every time you walk by the fridge on your way in from work, you mindlessly open it up and start smashing whatever might be in there, um, cake. Okay, so every time you walk by the fridge on the way back from work, you eat cake. So one thing would be, okay, can we just walk by the f or walk in through the front door instead of the kitchen door and we don't have to walk by the fridge? So as simple as it sounds, that's eliminating the cue. Or every time you drive by the donut shop on the way to work, you get this strong, intense craving for donuts. Okay, can we change your route? So many little things here like the snack table at work, how can we make that like out of your line of sight? Like literally just making it invisible, making the cue something you can't experience makes it so much easier. 
we also can look at like how can we replace the cue with a different cue. Now this is getting a little bit deep into psychology, but basically we as humans will always take the path of least resistance. So the easier a behavior is for us to perform, and this also gets in the response part of the habit loop, but the easier something is for us to perform, the more likely we are to do it. We always again fall to the path of least resistance. So this goes to like, okay, can we just put easier, like healthier, lower calorie foods, quote unquote healthier, like less calorically dense foods aligned with your goals at the front of the fridge and put foods that less align with your goals at the back of the fridge. Just doing that, you're so much more likely to eat these foods that you want to eat and avoid the ones you don't. Can we put a bowl of fruit on your counter? So that's the first thing that crosses your eyesight on the way to the fridge. If you see that, just the bowl of fruit on the counter, you are so much more likely to eat that than you actually are to get in the fridge. Or even like when people struggle with this at work, I always say, okay, we're literally gonna make all these snacks readily visible on your desk. Like if you have a couple apples available on your desk, but you can see the snack table over there in the distance, you will nine times out of 10, again, just take that path of least resistance, eat the apple because you don't have to get up. So little things like this, when we're talking about cues, make all the difference. So look to make the cue invisible or change the cue. Basically make yourself experience a different cue that aligns with the goal you want with the example of like, okay, we have the bowl of fruit out here on the counter. So we're more likely to do that instead of hopping in the fridge and also make the response harder. So here we're talking about like, how can we make this take more work or more conscious effort? So for example, putting the food you struggle with out of reach. So if you can't control yourself around, or you have trouble controlling yourself around like peanut butter, for example, can you put it up higher on the fridge or like up in the pantry to where don't keep peanut butter in the fridge. That's doesn't seem like a good idea. Can you put it higher up in the pantry where you literally have to grab a stool and get it down? You're not going to mindlessly eat that. Like that takes conscious effort. Can you like put it way back behind all this stuff. So again, you have to dig for it. It takes time. Like little things like this that disrupt us subconsciously doing things and they force us to process what we're doing. Like, oh wow, this takes work. The harder we make a response, the less like we are likely we are to follow through. But this at least puts this in the realm of, okay, you're consciously processing it and deciding to do it. Even more so, and this again is very similar to what I talked about with the last question, don't bring it into your house if it's something you have or you struggle to eat. Because again, I'm guessing there's only specific foods here that you have trouble eating mindlessly. So if we don't keep those in your house, then again, we're shifting into the realm of, okay, I have it cooked. I have to consciously decide to do this. So, and for most people, like the common foods that people struggle with, I keep mentioning the ice cream because it is a very good example of this. It's smarter to just have it, like not bring things like that to your house and just set it up to where like, okay, I have to, it's fine if I want to work some of this into my calories. But again, you have to make the conscious effort to like, okay, I'm going to put on pants. I'm going to drive. Is it worth it to me? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But again, it doesn't happen mindlessly. And then finally, we want to look to like, how can we make this less rewarding? Or as he says in Atomic Habits, how can we make this painful? And the best way to do this, honestly, is get an accountability partner 
or a coach, somebody, and this is the power of coaching. Like this is why I still, as somebody that knows a shit ton about training and nutrition, I still have a coach myself to hold me accountable because I know I follow through with what I want and the person that I want to be more often when I know there's somebody there watching. It's more painful for me to not follow through because one, I've made a financial investment and two, I know I'm letting down my coach, my accountability partner. So as far as mindless eating, those are really my recommendations. All right. Final question was best breakfast. Now this is very much an it depends question and I'm not quite sure the context she was wanting to get out of this. So I'm going to lay out a couple different things here. And again, it really just depends, but it's always smart to build any meal you eat around protein. Again, that's the most satiating. It has the highest thermic effect. It has all these effects as far as building lean strong muscle it just makes sense to have protein at least 25 grams for most people at every meal we're also going to stimulate muscle protein synthesis just a big part of every meal that we eat now if you're about to train and you're focused on building lean muscle you're not necessarily in a fat loss phase i would add around 25 to 50 grams of a faster digestion carb source as well if you're not going into a workout soon I would keep carbs relatively low it just makes sense to time your carbs for the most part around your training session pre post that's when we have the highest insulin sensitivity so our body takes advantage of carbs most mostly around our training sessions not a, not saying to like only eat carbs around your training but it does make sense to time the majority of your carbs there throughout the day that said if you're someone that's in a fat loss phase this might not apply to you so much so again protein no matter what we want to have at this meal and especially if you're going in a workout we want to have protein to prevent muscle protein breakdown but basically when we're dieting no matter what dieting fat loss maintenance protein intake stays relatively similar and we really adjust carbs and fat from there so if you have the macros to work with and it's pre-workout and you're in a fat loss phase i would add the carbs here but if not just go with straight protein. No matter what pre-workout, it doesn't really make sense to eat a lot of fat because that'll slow digestion, get you feeling sluggish. Um, and then my personal favorite breakfast, which is usually about an hour and a half pre-workout for me, is oatmeal with non-fat plain Greek yogurt, a scoop of chocolate whey protein, and mixed berries. It's delicious. It sounds weird, but it's super good. It's a great pre-workout meal. We have multiple carb sources there. We have plenty of protein and not very much fat at all. So we can digest it. It helps fuel your training and kickstart your recovery. And that is all we have for today. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Have an amazing weekend.